Warning, the cases that I talk about here are under the assumption that the individuals that are accused allegedly committed these crimes unless they have been convicted in court for the, tri for the crimes that they have been charged with. This is by no means me making any kind of accusations whatsoever. I am simply commenting on news articles and stories that have been shared with me through individuals who may or may not have experienced these said stories. This is not fact. This is purely my opinion. Unless they have been through court and they have been convicted. Please understand that moving forward. Thank you. Trigger warning. The podcast you're about to listen to may contain sexual and violent acts committed against men, women, and children. If such acts offend you in any way, please do not listen any further. This podcast was made for an audience of 18 years and older and contains mature and explicit content. Also, this podcast may also contain a high level of profanity and explicit language. If such things offend you in any way, shape, or form, please do not listen to the podcast any further. This is your last trigger warning. If anything that I mentioned above offends you, please do not listen. Thank you. Hey, everybody. This is Jeremy with the Man Apart Podcast, episode 28, titled, Can We Now See a Change? DCFS Burning. So the other day, I read a news article that Marquita Walters, the head of DCFS in Baton Rouge, has now resigned. And this was days after the fact that she told the news, she told all the media outlets that she was refusing to resign and she wasn't going to stand down or step down. After the reports came in the news about Jairie Paul, another toddler who overdosed and died on fentanyl. And it was another botched case by DCFS. What happened was, was that, I think it was Chris Nakamoto from WBRZ, a news reporter out here in Baton Rouge area, he went to the governor and asked if he still endorsed Marquita Walters after the Michael Haddon case where he was raping three underage boys that was in DCFS's care and said that he was a fit parent and one of the boys' grandmother was told that she was too old and not fit to be a parent and she wanted to take care of her own grandson. Or Mitchell Robinson III, where DCFS went three different times and the hospital, I think even the police, tried to tell them that the little boy is in, in a dangerous situation and needs to be pulled out and they dropped the ball badly on that one. And now Jairi Paul... Another little baby that died on fentanyl overdosing. And then there's more and more cases coming out. And with the election that happened last week and whatnot, it was, I think on the Monday, they tried to go get a comment from the governor. And I guess, you know, Governor John Bill Edwards over here in Louisiana, 
you know, he said what was ha what happened was very unfortunate and that it could have been prevented. And I guess with pressure from the media, from citizens, from all kind of people wanting to know why the hell this lady was still the head of DCFS after, you know, not only these three cases, but other failures that they know privately going on in their lives, why is she still allowed to run this organization? The fact that she said that she wasn't going to resign, and a couple days later she tells everybody that she's resigning. It was just a political move. I mean, it's an obvious and apparent political move. It was pressure from the governor, more than likely, and I'm only assuming that. I don't know everything in the background. What I do know is from people that talk to me, and when we talk about DCFS, there's been multiple people that I know that have no connection to each other that told me they know people. You know, these are people that know people, you know, that work in DCFS. And they all say that Marquita Walters was the main problem there. Mostly it's upper management as well. The upper administration, I guess, of that organization that are the main problems. Uh, you know, overbearing workloads, you know, too many cases for one uh, caseworker to, to handle at a time. The pressure that they have to get people to close out cases quickly so they can move on to the next one. It, it's, it, on top of all that, too, since the summer, since these stories broke out, there's been 70 caseworkers that left. And the last time I talked about it, they needed another, I think, 30 or 40 more. So now they need over 100 caseworkers to help with this massive workload they got on top of being paid better as well. I do now, I, you know, when Marquita Walter said that she needed better funding and, and everything like that, I don't disagree with her on that. I think caseworkers don't get paid enough to do what they do. The fact that they have to go through all their college education and training to get where they need to be at, and the fact they get less money than what a truck driver makes is just astounding to me. So I don't disagree with Marquita Walters on that. Where I do disagree with her is is that her stubbornness and her refusal to step down in the face of all of all these little babies' deaths and these rapes and everything like that showed that she didn't care. At least in my eyes, she didn't care enough. Because it didn't bother her that them little boys got raped. It didn't bother her that Mitchell Robinson III died of overdosing on fentanyl. It didn't bother her that Jairi Real overdosed. And ain't no telling how many other horror stories are coming out of there that we don't even know about. Those didn't bother her. It wasn't until the news started pressuring the governor and her just flat out telling the news media and everything like that that she wasn't going to stand down. All of a sudden, magically, a couple of days later, she stands down. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence, but could be. Man, I, I just don't understand how somebody can get to that point in leadership and not realize that there is a major problem. That these fail-safes she talked about weren't fail-proof. You know, the reason for a fail-safe is that it stops you from failing. But they did fail. They failed in their mission to protect kids. And when you really go and look in and dig deep down into 
researching DCFS and CPS and family court, you'll see there's a lot of corruption. There's a lot of incentives to take kids out of homes, especially in CPS. Uh, there's people coming out and speaking out against it because it's wrong. It's really bad. It's, I mean, it's really wrong, y'all. I mean, it's, this is just it's heartbreaking stuff. Now, do I... I guess, do I admit that there are incidents and situations where children do need to be taken out of their home? Yes, I do. I think there are some dangerous situations where kids need to be taken out of their houses, where they need to be away from their parents because of decisions their parents make. You know, if you're going to be doing drugs and dealing with your addictions and everything like that, you run the risk of losing your children. If you're going to be having dangerous individuals around your children, you're going to run the risk of losing your children. If you allow your children to get hurt by somebody, you run the risk of losing your children. Because you're supposed to be there to protect them and provide for them and make sure that they're fed and clothed and that their their health is in good standing. That's the that's the main view a lot of people see that in, right? What people don't see is the corruption cases that come out of all these agencies and these situations. Where there are parents who are willing to you know, do right and protect their kids. And there's parents who didn't even do anything and get and get uh, what you call it, bad faith uh, accusations, put you know, bad faith reports accused on them, and their kids get taken away because of it. Uh, I mean, I I've been scratching the surface of it, and it's just a scary, scary world we live in. But the fact that it took at least three news reports, three really bad situations. To put some pressure on the governor, to put pressure on Marquita Walters to stand down, just shows that she wasn't going to stand down unless somebody like Scotty Hunter and you know Chris Nakamoto reporting on the situation, and other people from the from the news, and of course probably the general public as well, putting pressure on this lady, and putting pressure not only on her but on the governor to make her stand down. I mean, it took congressmen to say, "Hey, what the fuck is going on here?" You know, why is she still in charge? There's an obvious problem in leadership here, and and she needs to go. But, you know, it's a little too late to help give any justice or to help save, really, you know, Mitchell Robinson III or Jairi Paul. But at least now we can figure out who needs to be put in place there. Well, we're not going to be able to figure it out. It's going to be all these other people that are in charge that put these people in there in the first place. That's the sad part about it. While I'm optimistic that there could be a possibility for change, is it really going to change? Or are they just going to put another person in there that's a puppet that's going to support whoever puts them in there and keep ignoring the problems? Or are they actually going to put somebody in there that has a heart and a conscience and a soul and is going to care for these children and make sure that they're getting the justice they need, that they're getting the, the safety and protection and, and the comfort that they really, truly deserve and need and be out of these bad situations and not take kids out of uh, the homes of good parents as well you know, I, and, and really reevaluate what they're doing. I mean, the optimist in me hopes that that's the case, but the pessimist in me just, it's negative, right? It's, it's a negative viewpoint on it. We want to believe that these these agencies, these individuals here that are in power, 
are there to help us. Because that's why we elect them. That's why we vote them in. That's why we back them up when they appoint people. But that might not be the case. I don't know, y'all. I don't know the answers. All I know is is that I found some good news that... I know it's sad to say that's good news, but it is good news either way. Because now you're removing a toxic leader out of an organization that does not at all have any room for failure that cannot have any room for failure and hopefully new leadership that gets put in place we better for that organization i'm hoping that those workers come back i'm hoping they get paid better and treated better and that they're given more time to really investigate and look into these families and really see what the truth is between it all The only, I guess the only thing that's worse than, you know, not taking a kid out of a bad situation is taking a kid out of a good situation and putting them into a bad situation, right? I've heard of those stories as well. And, and these stories, they haunt me. Because it really shows the reality of, of what life is like here. Not just here in Louisiana, but just all over this country, because it's all over. It's 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 systemic. It really is. It's not just a you know good old boy Southern justice system down here. It, it, there's corruption everywhere, and there are people who are just sick and tired of it. People like myself. You know, if you're gonna be in these positions of power, do good with it. Stop trying to help your friends out. Stop trying to help your donors out. Just do the job you were elected for. Now, that's a very simplistic view. Unfortunately, when people would have any kind of money and they give it to people in power, it's never a good combination. Very rare do people that actually have real money have a good conscience and a good soul. It's very rare to find that. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying it's rare. I, you know, thankfully... I know a few people that are like that. That's why I say it like that, because I've actually met and I know people in my life who have money and have influence and you know a little bit of, I guess, pull in, in the areas that they live in that do good with their money. Do I know everything about them, what they do in the secret? No, I don't. But for the most part, the things I see behind the scenes from the public view and the stories I hear from certain individuals... I can tell they have good hearts. But there's a lot that don't. And a lot of those people give money to these politicians that they get voted in. And people continue to hurt. And that's a sad thing, y'all. While I'm glad that Marquita Walters has now finally stood down and resigned, I kind of stand at the precipice at the edge want to know who's going to replace her now who's really truly going to replace her they they named uh, somebody in their organization as an interim but eventually somebody's going to be replacing her and I'm just really curious to see who that's going to be I know this episode was a little short I just thought I'd give y'all kind of an update I told a couple of these stories already I know I never mentioned anything about Jairi Paul. That's very recent. 
and I I will say that it's messed up his story. So let me let me let me touch base on Jairi Paul. He's another toddler that died of fentanyl overdose. They try to reach his mama. His mama was in jail in Houston on you know alleged drug charges. I'm not going to say whether or not she was doing drugs or not. I don't know. But she was in jail in Houston while they were trying to reach out to her when her son died. Her son was staying with his daddy, and apparently he had people over. I, I don't know the whole situation. I know there was people there at the apartment. And he ended up being really, I think, tired and then going to sleep and then turning blue. And then somebody took him over to the hospital. When they went to go look for his daddy and everything like that, his daddy bolted. His daddy ran. Because they found fentanyl in the system and, you know, fentanyl in the baby system and everything like that. And so they just wanted some answers. I don't think they found him yet. I could be wrong, but I, I haven't seen any reports that they found him. So, and if they did, let me know. Um, I'll try to correct. I'll try to not retract this, but I'll try to talk about another episode as well. So the mom, she goes to Houston. She gets locked up. She gets out, and when she gets let let uh, let out and everything, I think it was on November first because the baby died on Halloween night or Halloween day. She finds out that her that her son's passed, and DCFS was there at the house. I think multiple times, if I'm not mistaken, as well. And they just they knew about the situation this baby was in. They didn't do anything. Just another failure under Marquita Walter's leadership, and that's what you know sparked off. Chris Nakamoto going to the governor and going, you know, hey, what the hell? What's going on? Because she's telling the news people on Monday that she's not stepping down. She's not going to, she's not resigning anytime soon. And she was backed and appointed by John Bell Edwards. When pressure got put on John Bell Edwards, right there on the edge of the, of the elections, you know, uh, I guess he had to save face. I don't mean to chuckle as being disrespectful or anything. It's just a nervous thing that I do. So I'm not being disrespectful when I when I chuckle like that. I just my mind's blown. It's baffled. I I, I just don't get it, y'all. I don't understand this this society we live in. I'm just like a lot of y'all that just want to see these babies safe, these babies you know taken care of. And so many of us are blind to this pain. We don't know anything about it because we haven't experienced this. And I haven't experienced this, but I, I'm, I'm sick of it. Do five, ten minutes of research on Google and you'll see that these aren't just one-off cases. These are everywhere. And they're constant and rampant. Good, bad, or indifferent, they are just horrible stories. No matter how you feel about them. And I just, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't know the solution. I couldn't tell you a solution. I truly could not. But I know doing the same damn thing over and over and over is not going to make it any better either. So whether Marquita Walter stayed in place or somebody else replaces her, if they continue to do the same things they've been doing, 
These more kids are going to die. More kids are going to get raped. They're going to be starved. You know, neglected, abused, mistreated. And for what? So a foster parent can make $19 a day. Or parents that are addicted to harmful substances continue to develop their addiction and risk their kids, you know, swallowing these drugs. That's what happened to Mitchell Robinson III. That's what happened to Jerry Real. I'm not here to, you know, badmouth any anybody that's a, that's facing drug addiction or anything like that. I know it's a very painful thing to go through, and know that it's a tough fight for a lot of y'all. I'm not here to judge anybody on that. I'm here to ask the question: What can be done? What do you think will be done? What's the real answer? What's the real solution? Take that thought with y'all today. Take that question with you today. Just like I asked in my last episode. You had the power, what would you do then? I think if I had the power and it was able and it was able to, or I was able to do it, you know. One thing is to raise the wages of the workers. To attract more workers there. To decrease the workload. To not put pressure on everybody to speed up these cases and get them resolved quickly. But that could be taken advantage of as well. Somebody could use that to not do their job properly and get paid a lot more like I said I don't know I don't know all the answers I don't know all the solutions all I do know is that there's been babies that have been hurt traumatized molested raped killed OD'd and it's horrible and it's heartbreaking that's it y'all that's all I have for today I just hope that y'all go about your days loving each other and that you find peace in all this chaos because it's everywhere. Well, y'all, stay tuned for the announcements. I love you. Be safe. Bye. Hey, everybody. Announcement time. So hopefully you'll be hearing this on either Apple or Google as well as on Spotify, which is mainly where this is posted on. Uh, I'm seeing that my new episodes are showing up. And if you're listening from Apple and Google, you missed out on a good bit of interviews so far. And you'll probably miss out on a lot of future episodes that are interviews as well. Speaking of interviews, uh, right now it's about two weeks before Thanksgiving, or a week and a half or so before Thanksgiving. I will not be doing any more interviews until the first week of December. So if you're reaching out to me wanting to do interviews, I will do them with you. We'll have to schedule them in the first two weeks of December to get that going. Um, I think I have a solution in my technical problems that I've been having with connection issues and everything like that, find a space to talk in. had a friend of mine actually reach out last night before I went to bed, and I've used her studio space before and everything like that as well to do interviews locally 
So I'm going to be helping set that up. I know she's been busy. And when I made a post on Facebook the other day about not having a studio and, and crappy Wi-Fi, I know I didn't mean to disparage her in any way or anything like that. I just know that it's, it's not a place you can easily access. And I don't want to have her come up there to that studio waiting two or three hours, if not six or seven hours, you know, at a time when I do multiple interviews. Because some of these do last, uh, yeah, as y'all have seen, the last couple ones, two hours plus. And I don't mean them to be that long, but I, I want to give people the ability to share their story and just have a conversation with me. Mainly it's just a, a conversation that you have with somebody, like as if we were just having a cup of coffee. And that's what I like about my interviews is that it's not this formal, polished, edited uh, conversation. It's just, it is what it is right there off the cup in many different directions it can go in. Not just there's not just the story of the abuses they've suffered or, or the things they've endured, but just how life is treated them in general and just random topics too. Because look, I have ADHD, my mind wanders, and if somebody else has ADHD as well, it's going to make an interesting conversation to say the least. Uh, and I'll give you, for instance, uh, Cosmic the Jelly. We both have ADHD, and so we rambled on uh, on a few different things, and it was a lot of passion behind it though. And then there were just random things we talked about as well. And it was good to have that. It was good to have that that levity, you know, the little bit of uh, normalcy in a conversation, in an interview. Because it shouldn't always be just this heavy, emotionally charged subjects that just bring about, you know, pain and anger. I think there needs to be happy moments in this podcast as well. There needs to be, you know, funny moments that happen as well. Because life isn't always just anger, pain, and sorrow. It, there is, even if it's just briefly you know, bright little happy t spots and times and moments in there. And so it should reflect that as well. But yeah, y'all, this has just been a, it's been a wild ride already the last couple of months just doing this. And now people are reaching out to me even more. And people I didn't think that were listening are listening. And they, you know, they give me their encouragement and I appreciate it. I love everybody that, that has come out to me and told me that, hey, you know, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. It, you know, this is important stuff to do. You know, keep doing what you're doing, attaboys. I'm, I'll, you know, don't get me wrong. I like them, and I'm, I'm not here for all those, but they do help. So I, I thank y'all for that. You know, I think uh, it helps me push on to see that I'm trying to make a change in somebody's life. And if I can at least save one baby, you know, from a, a lifetime that a pain that a lot of these individuals have faced and endured this has all been worth it you know and that's why i've been pushing hard for uh skylar for the hashtag justice for skylar i looked at the other day just to look up the hashtag itself there's multiple scholars in this world that are going through some pain and so i'm going to try to make more posts about them to try to get more people to look into this and to see what's going on majority of it's on tiktok and like I said in the last episode, there are more people rolling that ball and trying to get these big creators to shine a light on it. So hopefully we can get some national attention for this little baby. Get news news reporters out there in Bloomington, Indiana to report on this story. Just to just to get more eyes on it. You know, the case was, you know, closed by DCFS and basically they tried to bury it, it seems like. And I don't know why anybody would bring a child back to a home that 
you know, Skylar reported that there's abuse going on to his therapist or why CPS would threaten a therapist to stop reporting the abuses. Just a lot of red flags in that case. And I don't, you know, and for people to say, well, maybe it's because the aunt's making it up. Well, if the aunt's making it up, then it needs to be looked at anyway. Let's let's see why, you know. I, I don't care. I don't think the aunt's making this up. I think Miss Jennifer's telling the truth. In my heart, I believe that she she's telling the truth. I, now, whether or not who's doing the abuse to the baby, that can be all up in the air. You know, I think somebody's hurting this baby. I can't prove it out, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt that the father's doing this, but there's a lot of evidence that points toward that. And, you know, everything's alleged. So I don't know right now. But it's not my job to investigate these things. These agencies need to be doing a better investigation. And why anybody would allow a child to go back to that home perplexes and stuns me. But that's neither here nor there. Y'all just go and look at Miss Jennifer's uh, TikTok page and everything like that. Which is called You Will Not Silence Me Ever or You Won't Silence Me. And you'll see the hundreds of TikToks she's made. For her nephew and fighting for her nephew still. And I know this has got to be a painful, heartbreaking fight for her. Being that she was somebody that was also abused at, at the same age that Skylar is reporting the abuse at. And like she says, his voice matters. And if nobody will speak up for him, she will. She is not giving up on this boy. She's been screaming for over a year. And other TikTokers, other people have let her down. So, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to let her down. And I know there's other people that want to fight for this baby as well. And they are, and they have been. And I appreciate every single one of them. Every duet, every stitch, every like, share, repost, everything. Because this baby needs, his case needs to be looked at again. With somebody else working on it. With an outside agency. With an outside police force looking at it. Because I don't understand this. So y'all keep doing what you're doing. Um, I will be. I, I, like I said. I got a lot of interviews lined up for December already. And But that, that shouldn't scare you. Or stop you from reaching out to me. You know, we'll, we'll make it work. We'll figure out the scheduling of it all. We'll get it going. That's about it, man. That's all I got for right now. Just keep chopping wood and carrying water. Keep working. Keep at it. Just remember to protect kids. You know, protect all children, even if they're not your own. And I love you. Be safe. Bye.